greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. I uh, had a little struggle with selfishness this morning. Uh, talked a little bit with Gerald about preaching. And yeah, in case you didn't know it, there's two Gerald Martins here this morning. Uh, Brother Delmar's parents are here, and we're glad for them to be here. Um, so I struggled a little bit with selfishness. I thought, man, if I could get him to preach, I can uh, hold these notes for three more weeks, and I won't have to work so hard then. Um, and, you know, you struggle a little bit. I worked hard on it. I want to give it. Uh, so um, I did talk to him just a little bit, and I think he would have been willing, but uh, you just have to put up with me again this morning. Um, we are glad they're here, and I believe today is a is a milestone for Delmar. And uh, just after I came back from Sunday school, I thought, you know, I maybe should have put a little more pressure on because this uh, they probably won't be stopping here very much anymore. Uh, Delmars are moving on, and uh, so they won't be stopping here to see Delmars. So. Uh, anyhow, here's where we are. title I have is Trusting God in Uncertain Times. Uh, and um, one of those has already been mentioned this morning. You know, um, I, uh, I felt good about the Supreme Court decision. But there are a lot of people that don't feel good about it, and they're taking things into their hands to try to make as much noise as they can. So there's some uncertainties involved with that. I'm getting a little ahead of where I have in my notes, but uh, there, there's a lot of uncertainty we face today. Um, I'm going to spend a little time here in the, in the beginning, maybe boring you with some things, uh, because it relates to farming. Um, but there are uncertain things there as well. But we can put our trust in God still today. So I'm going to go through a few things here at the beginning, and then we're going to look at the scriptures at how we have someone that we can put our trust and our confidence in that doesn't waver, doesn't move, regardless of the uncertainties of the times. I don't think most of this stuff I've used here, some of it goes back to an assignment that I had 12, 13 years ago. Um, I know what it's like to need groceries and not have money to buy them. And that's real uncertainty, I tell you. You have a family and you don't have money to buy groceries and you need them. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to harvest a crop that's not good enough to pay for the combine bill much less pay for any other input costs. Um, back in, I don't know what year it was, back in the 70s somewhere, might have been as much as 1980, um, one year we raised 95 bushels of corn. Now, if you're a farmer, you think, well, that, that's peanuts. You know, we think we need to have 150, 200, 225, 250 bushels of corn today. But that was a pretty good crop for South Carolina at that time. 
and we raised 30 bushels of soybeans that year. Good crop. Now, keep in mind, with this was on shares, okay? Somebody provided the land, and then the, a lot of the input costs I provided, including the harvest cost. The next year, we raised 29 bushels of corn and six bushels of soybeans per acre. Well, see, the combine was mine to pay the bill. That year, I'd have been dollars ahead to have left the combine in the shed and just let the crop sit in the field because it cost me more to run that combine through the field than what I got out of my soybeans. But I had an obligation to the other person so I combined the soybeans. Now, I didn't go back to look at input costs in 1980. But I know a little bit about the input costs today. Um, lest I forget it, I'm going to mention something here. If, you're faced, if you face difficulties like this, Maintain your integrity. Don't just let your um, shortfalls ride. It's not pleasant to go talk to somebody that you owe money and tell them, I don't have the money to pay it right now. But you need to do it. you can't satisfy that obligation, don't ignore it and hope it goes away. I could still sleep good those nights. As I recall, maybe my wife would say differently, I don't know. There was some, some times back then that uh, I didn't sleep very good, but it wasn't because of obligations hanging over my head. Bring it a little closer to today. In 2008, we had a pretty decent year producing milk. In 2009, we produced 132,000 pounds more milk than we did in 2008, but we got $68,000 less for that for the total milk. But feed costs increased by $12,000. Uncertain times. Somebody said today about planting a seed of corn. Yeah, there's still some uncertainty about that because you're just planting that little kernel of corn and you're expecting something out of it. So how much, how much do you think it costs to raise a crop of corn today? Somebody want to stick their neck out and guess? Or somebody know? Gerald, you want to stick your neck out? I'm, okay. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> All right. Um, land in our area rents for $150 plus per acre. I know of people that pay $200 an acre for rent for land. Seed corn costs about $90 an acre. Nitrogen. If you put 150 pounds of nitrogen down today, it costs you $160 an acre just for the nitrogen. Now, I'll back up a little bit. Last year, it cost $65 an acre. Roundup. I know that's a bad word for some people. Roundup costs $12.50 an acre for application. Last year, it would have cost about $3 an acre. If you put something else down, yesterday I sprayed Roundup and Status. And Status has nothing to do with, you know, this. It has to do with killing mare's tail. Status costs $11.70 an acre. About $25 to run the planter across the field. And $40 an acre plus the combine. So right there is roughly $500 an acre to grow corn. So you wonder why your food costs so much? That's part of it. Now, we are getting a good price for milk now, better price than we've gotten maybe ever, uh, but it costs a lot to make it. Just a couple of other things. To get the chopper in costs $600 an hour plus fuel. To haul liquid manures, $125 per hour per truck. To haul poultry litters, $110 per hour per truck. So, then that wasn't figured in that $500. All of this, well, not the combine, but all the others before you see anything. But we're pretty sure that corn's going to come up. And yes, corn looks beautiful this year. But they're still uncertain what we're going to get for it or from it. Now, I put down some figures for what would affect you all. And then I saw I was incorrect when I came into Strasburg this morning. I put down 469 for gas. I see you can buy it out here for 449. And I didn't go back and look to see what it cost a year ago or two years ago. Diesel fuel 569 plus. But I know what it cost at the farm. We filled up the farm tank June of 22. For $4.79 a gallon. January of 21, it was $2.05 a gallon. November of 21, it was $2.95 a gallon. Uncertain times. We don't know where it's going to stop. So, I need to just quit farming because things are too uncertain.
We need to quit living life because things are too uncertain. No, we don't. So this has been about farming. It's what I do for part of my living. But there are a lot of other uncertainties today that affect every one of us. Some are more welcome than others. We mentioned the Roe versus Wade overturn. That's more welcome. But some of the things that go out from that are not as welcome. They're uncertain. We don't know how long we're going to have these freedoms. There's gender issues, selfish lifestyles, the Me Too mentality. All bring uncertainties to life. And I've used this illustration. I'm just going to mention it briefly. When five people hear me say something that I didn't say, how's that going to stand up in the court of law? They're going to believe the five people and not me. Right? Pretty likely. Now, don't think I'm bitter about that, okay? It's been a lot of fun. But there is a serious side to it. There's uncertainties involved in that type of thing going on in the world today. Nelma, you don't understand what I'm saying. I can tell by your face. I preached a sermon one time, and after lunch, or during lunch, somebody thanked me for an illustration that I used. I said, I didn't use that illustration. It wasn't here, okay? And I, I wasn't going to go here, but Nelma's a member here, and she don't know about this, so we'll fill her in a little bit. There were five people at the table that heard me say that that morning. Five people sitting there at the table that were in church that morning heard me say it. I was positive I hadn't, but they said, well, you're getting to be an old man. You just forget and then somebody jumped in that wasn't there and said, well, you had COVID, so that causes you to forget too, and so you got double reasons. I even told them, I'd never heard the illustration before, so how am I going to use it? But they were still convinced they heard me say it. And a sixth person heard me say it that was listening in on the phone. And it ended up that the person that actually said it said it is sitting here this morning. And when I called to see where I could put this in my notes, they laughed at me on the phone because it was his illustration. Good illustration. I don't think Brother Steve minds me using his name here. So... In today's society, those six people are going to carry more weight than the one. That comes back to the Me Too mentality. Yeah, I've experienced this too. I've experienced this too. I've experienced this too. And there's no end to where that stuff goes. 
people not taking responsibility for what they do or blaming others for their problems. A general lack of any regard for God in our daily lives. That's what we see around us a lot today. And sometimes it gets pretty close home. Some other uncertainties. You get to be my age, health issues become a little bigger uncertainty. But how many of you have all your original body parts except for your teeth? I mean, I, all of you should have lost your, well, most of you should have lost your baby teeth by now. I saw one hand back there. Uh, I don't have all of my body parts anymore. And there are some, at least one here, that has some replacement parts. But our bodies are made with an amazing ability to heal itself. Well, God heals. I don't know. I'm getting on Delmar's territory here now. But um, without life within, there's no healing. We have a lot of equipment at the farm. If something breaks... It don't fix itself. You maybe can make that bearing last a few more days if you hear it starting to screech and you put a little grease on it, but you're going to have to replace that thing. Need to look at my notes to make sure I'm not missing anything here. Uh, so... There are a lot of uncertainties that we face in life today. But I want to tell you we have something, someone that we can trust in through all of this. I still most of the time can go to sleep and sleep well. Once in a while I'll wake up and with some concerns rolling around. Uh, and sometimes it's not as easy to go back to sleep, but I don't know that I'm worrying about them. It's just things that need to be done. Job, in all of his difficulties, after he lost everything, even his health, and I haven't been near where Job is, and I haven't been where some of you are today, probably. The uncertainties that are before us. But Job's response was, I know my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to see him. Think about Israel, when God miraculously brought them out of Egypt. They were there at the Red Sea, and I would love to see where they are in real life or at least on a map, or see what the terrain was like. The impression I get was they were there. There was no escape this way and this way. There was a Red Sea in front of them, and the Egyptians were coming behind them. Uncertainty? You bet. Moses said, let's go forward. And God 
amazingly used avenues of escape for avenues of defeat. He can do the same for us today. That pillar came between them. It was light on this side. It was dark over here. When they went through the Red Sea with walls on both sides, they walked right through on dry ground. The Egyptians started in on dry ground too, I believe. Then God started taking chariot wheels off and making it difficult for them, and then it got bad in a hurry because God brought the waters back. That same path of deliverance brought defeat. We can trust God. I want to look at a number of scriptures. Um, most of these, a lot of these I have printed out here, so I won't give you time to turn to them. In Habakkuk we read this, chapter 3, verse 17, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Pretty dire circumstances. Not even a blossom on the tree, so you know you're not going to get fruit. There's no fruit. The olives go fail. The fields aren't going to produce. There's no fatted calf in the stall. No sheep in the fold. This is what the writer in Habakkuk says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places. We can trust in that same God today. Deuteronomy 7 says this, Know therefore that the Lord thy God is, a, is he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He's still trustworthy today. I don't know how many generations it's been since the beginning. Somebody know right off the top of their head about how many generations? Quite a few, but I don't think it's been a thousand. Next verse he repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. So you and I don't need to worry about those difficult things in these uncertain times. That's God's to take care of. Deuteronomy 32, he is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Psalm 9, verse 10. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. The avenue of trusting God is seeking God. We heard good messages about 
seeking God with all our heart or loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself Wednesday night and Thursday night. Psalm 89, number of verses here. Verse 2, he says, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Verse 8, O Lord our God, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee, thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arrive, arise, thou stillest them. Of course, I think about the, the disciples there on the lake with Jesus in the boat and the waves just crashing. He can still calm those storms today. I want to read Psalm 130. If you care to, you can turn to this. It's a short psalm, but one that goes down this very line. heading in my Bible is waiting on the Lord and sometimes that's difficult to wait psalmist says out of the depths have I cried unto thee O Lord Lord hear my voice let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications if thou Lord shouldest mark iniquities O Lord who shall stand but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared I'm going to stop there just briefly. The, I have written in here, and I don't know where it came from, the outcome of forgiveness is fear or reverence. As God forgives us, then that should plant awe and reverence for God in our hearts. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. We can put our trust and our confidence in God. Over in Hebrews, it tells us that Moses was a faithful servant. Then it makes a comparison, but Christ, um, let me just read this from another version. It says, Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And that's in a comparison a little bit to Moses and that being a servant over the house of Israel. It says, but, I'll find it again, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. We say we have trust and confidence in God, and that we're trusting in him. We need to demonstrate that. God can be trusted. I want to look at a, just a number of verses here that talk about the faithfulness of God in keeping his promises. Numbers, way back pretty early in the scriptures that we have. 
says this, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Does he speak and then not act on what he says? Does he promise and then not fulfill? And we know the answer to that. No, he does not. What he says, he does. I won't go to this one. Read Psalm 34. It's another favorite of mine. Psalm 89 verse 34 says this, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. That's a sure place to trust. Psalm 119, a couple of verses here. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. So if we've passed a thousand generations, it's still good. God's faithfulness is forever to all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. What would life be like if mankind would operate under God like the physical elements of the world do? like the sun does, like the moon and the stars do. And you all heard me say this here before. There's a reason that uh, astronauts can go from here to where they want to be in the universe and make it to where they want to be. Because it's orderly. It follows God's plan. If mankind would just follow God's plan as good as they do for sending that spaceship up, it would change things. Verse 92 of Psalm 119, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in mine afflictions. I have a couple of songs written down here that I've thought about in this. So we, we come to things in life and we don't hardly know how to go. So how do we act on that trust? I might have used this song here before, but I'm going to repeat it again. And the title is, I Choose. Sometimes we just need to choose to put our trust in God. It goes like this. Master, may I be so honest? Could I admit the way I feel? I'm hurting. It seems that you've forsaken. I wonder if your love for me is your love for me still real? Though my friends think I'm happy, unaffected by this trial, they can't see the pain I'm hiding just underneath my smile. Master, I can't live this way anymore, so today I'll make my choice. I know the road will not be easy. I know I'll have my weaker days, and Satan will tell me I don't mean it when I say I'll trust God all the way. But that really doesn't matter. I refuse to hear him out. With my faith, I'll find the power that will overcome all doubt. Lord, I've never felt so strong as when I'm resting in your arms. And the chorus goes like this. I choose to believe that you are faithful and my heart is in your hands. 
and this mystery that I face today is part of a greater plan. I choose not to be discouraged when the sun will not break through. I have the choice of trusting you. So, Lord, this is what I choose. Another song that came to my mind, and it's in the Life Songs. If you care to, you can turn to number 80 in the Life Songs. But I want to give a little background to this song because of some of the things that happened that brought this song into being. And I came across a track that was written by the author of this song, this A.A. A. Luther. It was written in 1947. So I don't know, I didn't just look. Well, there's no book up here. What, what does it say there on the timeline on his? Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so I don't know when this song was written, but uh, came across this track, and this is the writing of the author um, of this song. Uh, he says, during the last 20 years, this simple song has literally gone round the world on its mission and stories still come in telling of its blessing and hope and helpfulness. As a schoolboy Christian, I had a burning desire to be a foreign missionary. That was not to be. Later, I had an urge to write a song that everyone would sing. My popular song was a dismal failure, yet God in his own time and way granted my wish and Jesus Never Fails has reached to the uttermost of mission fields and multitudes have sung it. The song was written in Somerset, Kentucky. While I was there with Dr. Williams in an evangelistic crusade, I received some very disturbing news from my family some 600 miles away. I'll just keep that in mind and I'll reveal that it comes later uh, in the that was not in this writing by Mr. Luther. I received some very disturbing news from my family some 600 miles away. Worried and homesick, I sat down at the old square piano in the old Kentucky home where we were staying, and as my fingers wandered idly, a simple melody developed beneath them which seemed to sing, Jesus Never Fails. Then and there, the words and music of the chorus were born. I accepted this as the answer to my heart's prayer, and I thank him that it proved true. Reassuring news came from home. He did not fail me. However, the others in the party insisted on using the song that I selfishly thought was just for me. Evangelists all over the land began using it, and soon it spread to every quarter of the globe. Scores of testimonies have come from missionaries, evangelists, and others of the blessing that this simple three-word message has been to them. It's been translated into ten European language, languages and into Chinese. The missionaries on the torpedoed Zam Zam sang it while floating in the shark-infested waters of the South Atlantic. It was carried into the concentration camps of Germany by these same faithful witnesses, and we may be sure that God used it there to his glory. 
No one will ever know in how many ways the message has appeared on mottos, plaques, and so forth. Mr. Mrs. Williams, I don't know who this Mrs. Williams is, tells of a man who heard the chorus as he was on his way to drown himself. He tarried to hear the gospel message, was gloriously saved, and is now preaching the wonderful grace of the Jesus who never fails. On the home front, saints sing it as they do battle with the forces of sin in true confidence that the captain of their salvation fails not. I surely have every reason to praise God for this song that he gave me in the hour of my need and which has gone on to bless the entire world with its message of triumph. God has indeed permitted me to be a missionary and hosts of his children are singing the song he put in my soul. A Dr. William Ashby of London, England tells me of a church in that blitz-torn city which had Jesus Never Fails painted on the front of the building. For a long time, the church was spared all except minor damage. One night, the pastor who had been staying in the basement went to spend a few hours with his family, which had been sent to a safer area. That night, a bomb fell that wrecked all but the front, of the front wall of the building. The motto stood with its silent testimony until the war ended and it was torn down, that church became known as the church where Jesus never fails. Some have asked why I wrote may pass away instead of shall pass away. The thought is to bring the truth of the song into the present tense. Let heaven and earth pass away at this moment if it be his will. He fails not and the future is secure. Let come what may, he is with us now. Therefore, will we not fear, although the earth be removed? And then he signs that. A.A. A. Luther, New Collins, New York, September the 1st, 1947. Now I mentioned the news he got from home. And that news was of his son's illness and being rushed to a hospital. There was nothing he could do, no way possible to even get to his son. After praying about it, he went to the piano, sat down, and this thought came to him, Jesus never fails. And then, heaven and earth may pass away, and so on until the song was completed. And then he wrote this. When I finished, a peace that had settled over my anxious heart. I knew that God who never fails would find the answer, and he did. For just then, there was a knock at the door, and someone came with the news. Word had just been received over the telegraph wire that my son had passed the crisis, and all was well. And that's where we get the song, Jesus Never Fails. Somebody in an uncertain time relying on that God that never fails. Now, it was interesting in looking through this. I don't know. Uh, it's not a, a great big deal. 
the end of verse 1 where it says Jesus never fails, it just repeats. If you see how the writing goes, one still loves and cares for you. The, um, the next verse says, just remember he is near and he will not fail. Trust his everlasting power. Jesus will not fail. That first verse in the original was, one still loves and cares for you, one who will not fail. And I would take that a little farther. Not only he will not fail, he can't fail. It reminds me of, of um, that when I looked into the word immutable, is that it? The one that means not not changeable, not changing. It's not that he won't change. He, he's incapable of change because that's who God is. One who will not fail. Let's, uh, let's sing together number eight in the life songs. I didn't say anything to Bradley about this, so we'll just sing it here. I didn't know for sure if we would sing it or not. Oh, oh, earthly friends may prove
Then there's one other song, and I think we'll sing the chorus to this. I'll read the verses to it. Have you started for glory in heaven? Have you left this old world far behind? In your heart is the comforter dwelling. Can you say, praise the Lord, he's mine? Have the ones that once walked on the highway gone back and you seem all alone? Keep your eyes on the prize for the home in the skies. God is still on the throne. Burdened soul, is your heart growing weary with the toil and the heat of the day? Does it seem that your path is more thorny as you journey along on life's way? Go away and in secret before him tell your grief to the Savior alone. He will lighten your care, for he still answers prayer. God is still on the throne. You may live in a tent or a cottage unnoticed by those who pass by, but a mansion for you he is building in that beautiful city on high. It will outshine the wealth and the splendor of the richest on earth we, may, we have known. He's the architect true, and he's building for you. God is still on the throne. Why don't we just sing the last verse in the chorus? He is coming again as the promise. Ho, ho, ho. He is coming again is the promise to disciples. today as he was when he said it. I think we've sung a little bit. We'll turn the time over to Brother John. <laughs> 